What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, discipleship, charity, justice, and the list will go on. I will then sit with your questions, pray with them, spend time with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. But my disclaimer is this, and has always been this, I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice that I give to you, I share with you, might not always be good for you. If that is the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in holiness, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. However, if my advice is helpful and good, but difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus in prayer and in scripture and in study and in sacraments and in service so that God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first time listener, you came up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. That's ask, A-S-K, Father, F-A-T-H-E-R, and Josh, J-O-S-H. That's ascensionpress.com slash ask. Father Josh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. This really helps other people to find out about the show. If the show is helpful for you, potentially it can become helpful for others as well. Finally, you can share us on your social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Again, this helps other people to find out about the show. And so if it blesses you, bless somebody else. On today's show, we're going to talk about celebrate, celebrate, uh, celebrate, celebrating Santa Claus. We are going to talk about apparitions of Our Lady and being Catholic in college. And so, parents of small children, if they are in your car right now, uh, this, there's a disclaimer on this show for what we're going to talk about. Santa Claus, Our Lady, and being Catholic in college. You can guess which one of those the disclaimer is for if you have small children. So use your parental judgment if you will continue to listen to this show before you let them hear it. Uh, though everything I will say, I pray, is true and good and beautiful. But before we get into those topics... I want to share with you a glory story. Glory story. Well, I mean, there's so much to be grateful for. I mean, scripture. I'm grateful for scripture right now. I am so grateful for scripture. The Lord has been so generous to me in the word of God. I am grateful for the way that God has just been speaking to me very loud and clear in the Bible. I, I would encourage you, if you've not read your Bible today, turn off the podcast right now and go read your Bible because what God has to say is way more important than anything I can say because I'm I'm just trying to echo um, the word of God. And so uh, he can speak it to you much better than I can if you just read it for yourself. And so, again, if you've not read the Bible, unless it's like early in the morning, you're trying to like let my show be a teaser for your time with Jesus, then that could work. But if it's the end of the day and you still haven't prayed, then please, please turn this off and go pray. Go read scripture. Uh, he wants to talk to you, too. I think sometimes I'm like, man, I don't ever hear God talk. I'm like, well, do you ever read the Bible? Read the Bible and that's God talking to you. Oh, he's been convicting me lately with vice and with virtue. And he's been inviting me to grow in holiness. And he's been inviting me to mature in my relationship with him. He is making me aware of some areas of serious growth 
and it has been so beautiful. He does not condemn me. He just encourages me. And um, yeah, he's just so good. He's such a good father. And so scripture has been great, but so has um, sacraments. We at my parish, oh gosh, I'm so grateful. So we hosted 24 hours of mercy on this past Friday and Saturday. It was 24 hours of confessions. And I'm so grateful for Father for Matthew Dunn and Father Brad Doyle and Father Joseph Fu, who um, came and helped me with hearing confessions. Uh, we were able to hear confessions for 24 hours. And Jesus Christ was exposed in the altar for 24 hours. And it was just so beautiful to see God work. I'm not going to lie. You know, my plan was I didn't think that, that many people were going to come for my shift. So I thought I was going to have like 12 hours of intimacy with Jesus and Eucharistic adoration. I just assumed that like a few people would come. But like literally there was like a line of people the entire time and people were coming, receiving God's mercy. And it was just so beautiful. It was so beautiful. I'm so grateful to be a priest. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the sacraments. I'm grateful for the scriptures. I'm grateful. Just grateful to God. So that's my glory story is just, yeah, he's been, he's so good. He is everything. He is everything. And so um, if you have been to confession, yeah, go to confession. And if you haven't read your Bible, read your Bible. <laughs> Now, let's go ahead and get into some feedback before we address our topics for today. Feedback comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this. Hi, Father Josh. I loved the latest podcast with Father Mark Toops. Shout out to my home Thibodeau priest down the bayou. You both spoke about how if every husband loves his wife the way Joseph loved Mary, there would be a transformation in the world. Uh, uh, real quick, cool, cool news. Um, Anonymous, Pope Francis just named this is the year of St. Joseph on on the, uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. So that's kind of cool, right? But anyways, back to you statement. Then now if a wife tries to imitate Mary, she will draw out what is best in her husband, just as Mary gave Joseph the freedom to strive for holiness and to be the man God created him to be. I was really struck by this and I'm wondering if you can point me in the direction of books or resources that go deeper into this topic of husbands imitating Joseph and wives imitating Mary. I'm not currently married, but even in my current dating relationship, I feel that this would be very helpful to grow in this imitation of Mary, both as I relate to my boyfriend and also in preparation for marriage. Thank you for your guidance, Anonymous. Yes, yeah, so I would honestly, I would encourage you to get the three resources that Father Mark wrote. Rejoice Advent Meditations with Mary. Rejoice Advent Meditations with Joseph. And Rejoice Advent Meditations with the Holy Family. I think these are amazing resources that can help you tremendously in imitating Joseph and imitating Mary in your walk toward eternity. I think also just for relationships, it's always good to read books and articles and sources on the temperaments. If you go on the Ascension Press YouTube channel and type in temperaments, uh, we have um, some stuff on that as well. That's really, really helpful for relationships. So I'd also encourage you to learn about your temperament. Are you sanguine? Are you choleric? Are you phlegmatic? Are you melancholic? And as you learn about your temperament, to also learn about your boyfriend or your spouse's temperament as well. And that could help you love each other well. Um, and then, too, learning the love languages, too, I think is important. Uh, what's your love language? Is it time? Is it acts of service? Is it gifts? Is it touch? Is it words of uh, encouragement, affirmation? Uh, so 
I think those are also important when it comes to healthy, holy relationships. But um, enough of the love doctor talk right now. Let's go ahead and jump into the show. All right, first question comes in from Celeste, and it's about apparitions of Our Lady. All right, hey, Father Josh, you know, the feast day of Our Lady Guadalupe is coming up. Guadalupe, I love Lupe, is coming up. I've heard a lot about Our Lady of Guadalupe, but I don't know her story too well or why she's so popular. What's the significance behind her apparition and her appearance? And what role does Marian apparitions have in our Catholic faith, Celeste? Yeah, so that's a great question, Celeste. I happen to be a priest who loves Our Lady, and I'm pretty sure, like, after my conversion, um, I had a conversion at a charismatic Catholic conference, and after that, I was really drawn to the mystics like Faustina and Padre Pio and Paul of Maul, but I was also drawn to Marian apparitions. I was drawn to Our Lady Guadalupe and Our Lady of Lourdes and Our Lady of Fatima, and since I've discovered Our Lady of Cabejo and Our Lady of Akita and Our Lady of Good Success, and there's just so many beautiful apparitions of our blessed mother and um it's just it's really interesting that no matter you know when whenever she appears her message is typically always the same right it's it's uh, come back to my son jesus she always points us to jesus just like she did at the wedding of cana she pointed everyone to jesus do whatever my son tells you and she invites us to pray and fast and do penance and uh just it's a similar message but like yeah, she has different names. When she was in Cabello, Africa in the 1980s, her name was Our Lady of the Word. When she was in Fatima in 1917, she was Our Lady of the Rosary. When she was in Lourdes in the, in the late 1800s, she was the Immaculate Conception. And so uh, she always has a different name, but the same message, right? Pray and fast and come back to my son, Jesus. And uh, that's really the... Uh, the apparition of Guadalupe as well. Well, she pointed everyone back to Jesus Christ. But before we get into Guadalupe specifically, let's start with your last question first and go backwards. What role does a Marian apparition have in our faith? So Marian apparitions, they fall under what we call private revelations. Uh, remember that song? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 do you want a revelation? Whoop, whoop. I said, do you want a revelation? Whoop, whoop. Hey, oh, 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 oh. do you want a revolution? Hey, no crying, no dying, no children dying. The way I live my life, the way I live my life, there's gonna be a brighter day. That's that old school Kirk Franklin. Do you want a revolution? <laughs> man, Kirk Franklin used to be going hard. Uh, man, that dude got some hits. So anyways, it's a private revelation. And so uh, Catholics, we are not uh, obliged. There's no requirement in our faith that we have any kind of specific um, devotion to any private revelation or that we um, invest in any of the messages of these private revelation. Uh, whenever the church approves a Marian apparition, all the church is saying is that that apparition is worthy of belief 
Um, but uh, it's like it's it's not the church saying you have to have a personal devotion to this particular apparition over any other apparition or or locution. The Catechism of the Catholic Church basically explains it like this: It's not uh, their role to improve or to complete Christ's definitive revelation, but it's just to help one live more fully by it in a certain period of history. So guided by the magisterium of the church, the census fidelium knows how to discern and welcoming these revelations, whatever constitutes an authentic call of Christ or his saints in the church. Christian faith cannot accept revelations that claim to surpass or correct the revelation of which Christ is the fulfillment, as is the case in certain non-Christian religions and also in certain recent sects that base themselves on such revelations. That's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So I think that should help you with the last question first. Now to Guadalupe, who I love. Our Lady Guadalupe, um, she appeared in the 16th century. And it's a really beautiful story. There was a, a very poor um, Indian a saint who we know as Saint Juan Diego. Uh, he was 57 years old. He was a widower. He lived in Mexico. And one day uh, on a Saturday, uh, December the 9th, which is uh, the day this podcast is going to air, I think, right? Today, yeah, let me see the podcast airs on. No, the podcast airs on December 10th, my bad. So yesterday in 1531, uh, many, many years ago, uh, he was on his way to go to Mass um, in honor of our Blessed Mother. And while he was walking by a hill called Tepeyac, uh, that's why you see a lot of sinners called Tepeyac Center, uh, he heard this like, amazing music. Like So he must have heard someone that sounded like me singing, and um, <laughs> I just nah, he didn't hear me singing. <laughs> he would have probably ran another way. He'd be like, oh, is, is a is a cow dying right now? <laughs> and so he heard this music singing, and he was drawn by the music, right? And so that shows you that music is, uh, and we know that in heaven that the angels sing, holy, 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 sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. And so music is a heavenly thing. And so he hears this music, and then this cloud appears. And within the cloud, uh, there was a woman who appeared to look like an Aztec uh, princess. And she spoke to him in his own language, like Acts of the Apostles, shout out Acts chapter 2. Then the apostles received the Holy Spirit. They went to people. They didn't wait for people to come to them. They went to people where people were at and they spoke in the language that they could understand. So like hence evangelization, discipleship and catechesis. We don't need to wait for people to come to us. So for everybody whose church is dying, your parish is dying. It's because we ain't going out to the people where the people are at. We're not imitating the apostles in Acts chapter two. And we're not imitating our lady who in her apparitions, she goes to people where they are at. And invites them into a deeper relationship with God. So she goes to Juan Diego, right? And she speaks to him in his own language. And she sent him on a mission to his bishop, who was a Franciscan also by the name of Juan. Uh, and so the bishop was invited by Juan Diego via Our Lady to build a chapel in the place where the Blessed Mother uh, appeared. Bishop eventually told Juan, like, hey, man, I tell the lady to give me a sign. And around this time, uh, Juan's uncle became very sick. So he wasn't feeling well. And so 
uh, Juan wanted to avoid the Blessed Mother, right? He was like, look, my uncle's sick. I ain't got no time for this right now. And Blessed Mother was like, no, but you do. You always have time for your mother. <laughs> and so she came to him again and she assured him, like, look, Juan, your uncle is going to recover. And so she provided him some roses for him to carry to his bishop in a tilma. And so whenever he went to his bishop with his tilma with roses, which in itself was a miracle because roses don't grow in December. And so December 12th, he goes to his bishop with this tilma with all these roses inside. And when he opens up the tilma with the roses, some roses fell on the floor. And then on the tilma was an image. And so the bishop fell down on the floor. He was shocked because on the tilma where the roses had fell to the ground, there was an image of Our Lady, Our Lady, Mary. She, like in all these other apparitions, we hear the visionaries describe her. But remember, visionaries aren't perfect. Visionaries are imperfect. And even in locutions, they can kind of mistake what they may have heard Mary say. So whenever they try to describe her, they never describe her perfectly. But Our Lady of Guadalupe, when she appeared, she imprinted on this tilma her own image herself. No man or woman painted it or sewed it. Literally, like she miraculously gave us her image on this tilma. And so it is super, super awesome. Uh, and I think that we should all like go visit it. It's in Mexico today. You can look at it, admire it. It's the image of our Blessed Mother. And so one of the beautiful things that happened after this is that 9 million, 9 million people converted to Christianity within a few years after this apparition. They converted to Jesus Christ. They became disciples of Jesus Christ. They abided in communion with Jesus Christ through baptism and confirmation and confession and holy communion. This is so beautiful. Right? This is so, so, so beautiful. Whenever Our Lady appeared, she appeared in front of the sun because a lot of the people worshipped the sun. And she was like, don't worship the sun anymore. And she appeared pregnant in the apparition. And so she was inviting people to not worship the sun, but to worship her son who was in her womb. Like in the book of Revelation, right? The woman who gave birth to the son who would rule the nation. She's like, focus on my son, Jesus Christ, who is in my womb. And her hands were, were, were in the praying posture because she's making it sure everyone knew, don't worship me, don't look at me, but like imitate me and pray, right? Don't, don't pray, praise me, but ask me to join you in prayer to my son, uh, Jesus Christ. Whenever she appeared in Guadalupe, she brought about unity in the community. Jesus Christ prays for this in the Gospel of John chapter 17. He says, Father, if they may be one as we are one. Whenever she came, the Spaniards and the Mexicans who were enemies embraced each other with affection. Mary brought them together. So is there a division right now in your marriage? Is there a division in your family? Is there a division in your community? Ask our Blessed Mother to pray for your community. Turn to the rosary. Turn to prayer fasting and penance, right? Uh, and so also another cool fact, fun fact is in November of 1921, there was a, a guy by the name of Luciano Perez, and he planted 29 sticks of dynamite in a flower arrangement at the altar under the tilma of our Blessed Mother. And when it exploded, all the marble altar, the railing, the floor was all broken, but the normal glass, which encased the, the tilma and the tilma itself was completely intact. And now that the tilma is also preserved in a bulletproof glass to, to this day because of that. But like, isn't that amazing? 
that everything else broke, but like not the image of our blessed mother. So uh, it's definitely a really cool apparition that I think that we should pay attention to and that we should have a devotion to. Uh, so that's the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I, bl- I love Our Lady. Now, speaking of bringing people together, how do we bring people together on the college campus? Next question comes in from Ryan, and it's about being Catholic in college. Ryan says, hey, Father Josh, I'm a college freshman. I have a really good Catholic community around me at my college. Praise God. We all need community. I want others at my school to experience that. In college, my faith is strengthened, and it has for once become the most important part of my life. Uh, day after day, I see other students and classmates living the college life of desiring alcohol, drugs, and sex, the party life. And it saddens me to see that they are feeling their brokenness and partying and that they do not know yet that God will completely make their life fulfilling. How can I go about trying to bring these people that are children of God but do not know they are yet to the Catholic Church? Thank you so much. I enjoy listening to your podcast and you are in my prayers. That's a great question. I would say get proximate to these people, whoever these people are. Um, I think that uh, if you are intentional and consistent in uh, praying for them first and foremost by name uh, and offering up penances for them, maybe fasting for them a couple of times a week, and then personally inviting them to a relationship, like going out to be with them where they are at and personally invite them to um, a Bible study, uh, to a retreat that your campus ministry might be putting on, to a mission trip. Uh, these invitations, personal invitations, can be very transformative for individuals. And from these invitations, small group Bible studies and missions and retreats, uh, people can have an opportunity to have a an encounter with Christ. And from an encounter with Christ, they could be drawn to Him in the sacraments confession um, and to receive him in Holy Communion at Mass in a state of grace. So I would encourage you to imitate Our Lady and go find people where they are at and keep going after them. Remember Juan Diego tried to avoid our Blessed Mother. Some students on your campus might try to avoid you because they might think that drugs and alcohol and sex is going to be that which satisfies them, though it can't because sin can never fully satisfy us. Though it may feel good temporarily, it will never satisfy us. It always leaves us feeling more empty. Um, if you can imitate our blessed mother and imitate her who imitated Jesus, who kept going after Peter over and over again, uh, and the apostles who also were relentless in their pursuit of people's hearts, um, I think that you too will see, potentially you will see some fruit um, in, your, in your witness, right? And then, and most of all, like be a joyful witness, be a joyful witness of the gospel, be a joyful witness of the sacramental life of the church. And so uh, make sure that they see how happy you are, um, how happy you are abiding in a relationship with God. Not that your life is going to be easier, you're not going to suffer, but like whenever we see people who are filled with joy, joy is attractive and we want that. We, we're drawn to joy. We're not drawn to miserable uh, pity party. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to say sorrowful, but not like in the Our Lady of Sorrows, but like sorrowful, like Job's wife, sorrowful. Like Job was sorrowful, but his sorrow led him to prayer. Job's wife was also sorrowful, but her bad sorrow led her to despair. We don't need Christians who are the bad sorrow because that's not attractive. That does not draw people to Jesus. So, I would encourage you to pray, to fast, to personally invite, and then to be a joyful witness to Jesus and the church he founded 2,000 years ago. So hopefully, Ryan, that is helpful for you. Uh, Please stay with me because we're about to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. And this is where the disclaimer is applicable. And it's about celebrating Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. What if this year your Advent could be different? What if you could learn how to welcome Jesus into your heart 
from the people who did it first. This year, Ascension's Rejoice Advent Journal invites you to experience Advent with Joseph and Mary as they await the birth of their son Jesus, the Savior of the world. Together with the guided meditations found on rejoiceprogram.com, this journal will help you to see the marriage of Mary and Joseph in a new light. You will ponder what was in their hearts and minds as they awaited the birth of Jesus. Rejoice will help you open your heart to the peace and the joy of the Holy Family as you prepare for the coming of Jesus this Christmas. Visit rejoiceprogram.com to purchase your copy today. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh, A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H, askfatherjosh. Uh, you can also rate us and review us on iTunes, and you can share us on your social media pages. And uh, uh, yeah, oh, my huge announcement from last podcast, it's out now, it's public. Me and Father Mike Schmitz wrote a book, A Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Super excited about that. So uh, you got to check that out. It's going to be released sometime early next year. And so it's Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, uh, co-authored by myself, Father Josh Johnson, and my good friend, Father Mike Schmitz. And so it's a, a tool to help you to, to go to confession better and help other people to confess their sins and to avoid the near occasion of sin and to discern discern sin in their lives as well. So uh, please check that out as soon as possible. Um, now, final question is about Santa Claus. Hey, Father Josh, first, thank you so much for the podcast. I love that you aren't afraid to give tough answers to tough questions. Uh, my question is, what are your thoughts on Santa Claus? I have two children and one on the way. My oldest is two and a half. So this is the first year he would be able to start understanding the concept of Santa. My husband and I both believed in Santa growing up and all my siblings and friends have told their kids about Santa. However, I'm having some hesitations. There are a few sins I've been working extra hard on the last few years, one of which is lying. No matter how you spin it or what you call them, telling your kids that Santa or even St. Nicholas is leaving them presents is a lie. Should we avoid Santa entirely? Should we introduce the concept uh, as a pretend game to keep it fun without the actual lie? So far, we haven't explained Santa. We have just talked about Christmas being Jesus' birthday and Advent being a countdown. The final countdown oh, uh, to his birthday. Most people, even my super devout friends, tell me I'm thinking too hard about it. My husband says he's on board either way. And I would love if you can just give me your opinion. Thank you. And this is from Courtney. So, Courtney, here's what I, I would do. I would say this. Santa Claus is real. Insofar as when you are talking about Santa Claus, you mean St. Nicholas. The saints are real. And so, if you buy your kids gifts, if you purchase gifts and put them under the tree, but you do so through the intercession of St. Nicholas and you ask St. Nicholas to pray to God for you um, that you may provide your children with these gifts, then I'm sure you could, in good conscience, attribute those gifts not only to yourselves in your own work, but also through the grace of God via the intercession of St. Nicholas, who is a real member of the body of Christ, who desires that we be in an intentional relationship with him because Jesus Christ said himself in the gospels that nothing will separate us from the love of God, not even death. And so we go to saints all the time. I go to St. Anthony when I want to find something. And whenever I find it, I attribute it to St. Anthony. St. Anthony went to the throne of God for me and with me. And because of his intercession, I say St. Anthony is the reason why I have found this lost item. Whenever we pray novenas, we pray novenas 
with the saints. We ask the saints specifically for these miracles to go before the throne of God with us and for us to plead before Jesus day and night. And then when we receive an answer, we thank those saints. We light a candle to those saints. We uh, make a donation in honor of those saints' names. And so just like we do that with saints when it comes to finding lost things or for people who are who are sick, we pray to St. Peregrine for cancer. We pray to St. Padre Pio for many things. Right now, a lot of people are praying to Blessed Francis Xavier Silos and, and Venerable Henri de Lille for a miracle to happen. And obviously, it's God who works the miracle, but he does it through the intercession of the saints. And so it was God who gave you the gift of being able to afford those presents. But you could also attribute some of that to your uh, relationship with St. Nicholas. And so, yeah, so if you want to attribute some of the blessings that you have in your life right now that you're sharing with your kids and you want to attribute it to your relationship with St. Nicholas, I don't see why that's a problem. And you could call him Santa Claus. It's just a nickname for St. Nicholas. And uh, and I do, I do think he's operative and I do think he intercedes for us and he really cares about us. And so uh, you can certainly do that. Uh, yeah, so I don't think that you have anything to worry about from my perspective. Because good old Saint Nick is is uh, otherwise known as Santa Claus, and so Santa Claus in my in my book is real. Uh, so let me know what you think about that. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and end this show. Please pray for me. By the time this show airs, I will be doing a presentation for a a pretty big Catholic institute and helping them in their efforts to form disciples of all nations. And so if you hear this uh, when it airs, just offer a few prayers for me because your prayers in real time will be with me in real time uh, as I'm trying to accompany my brothers and sisters and their efforts to not only be saints, but to form saints uh, in the communities that they are serving for the gospel. Let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Blessed Mother, you are such a beautiful witness. You are an amazing disciple of Jesus Christ. And you are relentless in your pursuit for our hearts as you invite us to reorient our attention, to fix our gaze on your son Jesus. Please pray for us, Mary, that we may listen to him and do his will and our walk toward eternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Juan Diego, pray for us. Amen.